Right, well, hi everyone. Welcome to the New England Retail Dealmakers webinar series. I hope everyone's staying safe, staying healthy, and staying busy. My name is Sam Calmerin. I'm with Bricksmore Property Group, and we're happy to present this second part in our three-part webinar series, a landlord forum to discuss what's next in retail. Uh, before we begin, I have a few housekeeping items. Um, first, I want to give a shout out to the three other dealmakers that put this together. Michael Brand from Key Point Partners, Chris McMahon from Summit Realty Partners, and <clears throat> Evan Eisenhardt from Linear Retail Part Properties. Uh, Chris, Michael, Evan, and I started this group about five years ago, which until now has mostly consisted of monthly <clears throat> deal-making breakfast meetings, come to be known as Rising Grind, as well as a pretty awesome party in Vegas every year. Our meetings are strictly for leasing and sales dealmakers only, and our goal is to bring folks together share information, and ultimately sign more leases. Um, secondly, I'd like to say thank you to our sponsor, Northmark Capital, who provides debt and equity capital market solutions for real estate investors. And I'd also like to note that we're looking for more sponsors. So if you're interested in being a sponsor of this group, feel free to reach out to me or Michael, Evan, or Chris. Um, lastly, I'd like to announce that we have launched a website, neretaildealmakers.com. Uh, that's neretaildealmakers.com. If you're interested in coming to our meetings once we start having them again or joining future webinars, you can log on to the website and sign up for the email list um, on the front page. And we will also be posting this webinar on the site so folks can log on and do it later. Um, with that, I'd like to welcome our, mo our moderator today, Beth Azor of Azor Advisory Services, known by many of you as the Canvassing Queen. Beth is the undisputed retail leasing coach in our industry and has worked with many companies, large and small, to improve the skills of their leasing team. In addition to her coaching, Beth is also the owner of six community shopping centers in Florida. Beth, thanks for joining us. Take it away. Thank you, Sam. And thanks to Evan, Chris, and Michael for inviting me and putting together this great webinar. Uh, I am happy to have as co-speakers Josh Levy and Dave Vender. So I'm sure many of you guys know Josh and Dave, but let me tell you a little bit about them. Josh is the co-founding principal of Waterstone Properties Group, the second largest developer in New England. Waterstone specializes in mixed use developments, retail, healthcare, office, and logistics centers. They have over 70 commercial properties. And uh, Josh Spear has spearheaded Waterstone's new mixed use project the 2.4 million square foot flagship Rock Row in Greater Portland, Maine. A graduate of Boston College, he's a lecturer at Harvard. I specifically wore this shirt after I read that because I want you guys to think I went to Harvard, but it really it's a Zoom University shirt. And uh, Josh is a new daddy. So congratulations, Josh, and, wel jo and welcome, Josh. Dave is the EVP president of Bricksmore's North Region. Bricksmore, for those of you that possibly one of you on the call that don't know, Bricksmore is an open air center portfolio, uh, it's an open air center company, and Dave is responsible for the portfolio of in Connecticut, Delaware, Massachusetts, Maryland, Maine, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Vermont, and Virginia. He's got 20 years of experience in the shopping center industry. He went to Temple and was former, formerly with New Plan XL and Colliers. 
Dave lives in Philly and enjoys concerts and travel. Dave, I love concerts and travel. When are we going to be able to do that again? I don't know. I was very happy last week when Melissa Etheridge had a concert live from her house. I was just so happy. So with that, uh, we, we're going to get started and we have a bunch of great questions that Evan, Michael and Chris and Sam have given us to ask these guys and myself. So we're going to jump in. And I think you guys, uh, Michael, they can put some questions in the chat for later, right? For Q&A at the end? For Sam? That's right. Yep, that's right. So we're so, going to do the quick poll right now. Oh, right. See, I'm glad, I'm glad you're with me. So we're going to do two poll questions. They're going to put them up on the screen. It's to give us, uh, Josh, Dave, and I, an idea of who's on the call. So if you could please fill out the polls uh in a, in the next we're going to run them for like 30 to 40 seconds each question and then we will see the results first poll what is your role in cre are you a broker are you a tenant are you a landlord or other there could be a lot of others right investment sales underwriters property managers wife of josh he's on here uh oh Better watch what I say. <laughs> you guys are all dressed up. Josh, do you like my t-shirt? Zoom universe is amazing. <laughs> all right, so 49% brokers, 7% tenants, and 40% landlords. My Alexa just went off. I don't know why. What did I say? Okay, next poll. Is that up? Dave, don't fall asleep on us. He did a 17-hour drive last night. That's, you know, crazy, crazy. But I'm glad, that you're, I'm glad you're in my neighborhood now, at least a little bit, about an hour, hour and a half for me. How many tenants do you have in your portfolio? Are you, I have 59, so are you one to 50 like me, 50 to 99, 100 to 199, or are you like Bricksmore, over 200? Dave, you, brought, you guys would have over 1,000 or over 2,000? I, I believe the number is 10,000. 10,000, wow, that's a lot. 10,000, yeah. that's overwhelming. Josh, how many do you guys have? 350. 10,000 is a lot. <laughs> 10,000 tenants, 350, and then little old me, 59. Except everyone at best is paying rent, so that's amazing. <laughs> I wish. All right, so we've got 28% is 50 or less, 38% is over 200. And then 50 to 99, 50 to 99 is 24. So, you know, a third, a third, a third. Um, so great. So let's jump in. So Josh and Dave, the first question, very generic, kind of a softball. How has, uh, how has the view of the world changed from March to today? Who wants to jump in first on that? From March, a lot's changed between when we first heard about this in March to today as of May 7th. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, well, look, a lot's changed, right? And I, I, I'd like to frame it a little bit, what we're facing, because some of us, not, 
I, I don't know the ages of, of those of you on the call, but we've been through some cycles that weren't, weren't global pandemics in my lifetime, but we've seen some events that were incredibly disruptive. And I just wanted to start off by mentioning the SNS savings and loan crisis of the late 80s and early 90s, followed by the first Gulf War, where things froze in the, and no one was doing deals. We were all afraid Saddam Hussein's million man army was going to fight to the death. And it was, it, 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 you know, the war lasted, I believe it was less than a year, ended in 91. Um, but it was incredibly disruptive, incredibly scary. And it reminds me of, uh, I was a real estate broker at the time, of how we were frozen during that time. Retailers weren't willing to make commitments. Um, uh, and that, fast forward about 10 years later, and some of you will have stronger memories maybe of the dot-com bubble, which is now almost 20 years, it was 20 years ago, where the NASDAQ index crashed 77%. It went from 5,000 to 1,100. Uh, and even after our recent sell-off in the markets, $125,000 invested back then in the NASDAQ, just the index would, have, would be worth a million dollars today, even after our, after our sell-off. Um, what, what, what I believe, look, the world has changed a lot since we first found out about it and the reality, but we're gonna get through it. I believe these events create opportunity and those of us on this call who move space for a living are going to seize that opportunity. This is going to free things up and, and create, I believe, an, in, uh, an increased volume of transactions. Um, the, the, but one last thing, the, you know, the, the dot, fast forward another 10 years after the dot-com bubble, and many of you lived through the global financial crisis, where the markets fell 49%. The housing bubble, where some markets around the country housing values haven't even recovered to the pre-2008 values or just get, we're just getting there prior to this. Um, the international banking and liquidity crisis. So I, I think we learned a lot then and uh, you know, our government, federal government and the measures they've taken in place, the government assistance programs um, have been helpful. Um, uh, I do believe that this pandemic, we're gonna get through it. It's going to be a large inventory cycle that we're gonna be facing. There's going to be, uh, you know, what I believe now is there will be bankruptcies. There's going to be Chapter 7 liquidations. Um, some retailers that go away, we know that. There always are. There's going to be Chapter 11 reorganizations where tenants are shedding bad leases. And uh, we just have to be well poised to um, and, and, and ready to run and seize those opportunities. So that's kind of... Uh, what, what's changed since the beginning is the reality of this event. It's all sunken in. It's our new normal. And um, I think this group has to just be ready. It's going, this inventory cycle is going to create a lot of opportunity for transactions. That's my strong belief. I agree. I agree. Uh, Josh, how about you? From March 18th-ish to today, what, you know, your thoughts personally or, you know, from your perspective on how things changed? Sure, I, I want to acknowledge first, uh, we're very lucky that we've got a great uh, team where they have really taken this on. Our leasing department, ops, property accounting, my partners, our financial group um, have really done an incredible job grabbing this by the horns, working with tenants, especially the local ones that needed to get through the other end. And uh, are doing any, any of the great stuff that's happening is them. Anywhere we're messing up is probably when I get involved. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, that's been our number one focus because you have to deal with that, right? If, if you have a flat tire, 
you have to fix a flat tire and not worry if the engine needs to be fixed next year or upgraded. But I've been saying from the very first day, and, and a couple of people thought I was crazy, is um, just do that and get it done. We've got to focus on it, get it done. But this is a great time to play offense, not just defense. And we are not going to sit in the corner and just cry about this and stop working the rest of the day. So we're, we're tripling down. Went to check on our Methuen Shopping Center on Tuesday, which is doing great. By the way, we have a pad and two inline spaces if anybody's looking. But I ran into Alex White, who was there on a showing with a laundromat. I mean, it's a, it, hats off. That's incredible. And we're bringing in a uh, capital partner right now so we can grow outside of this. We've got offers on 12 different properties, some land, some existing centers, a lot of sale leasebacks with different corporations on their headquarters or manufacturing facilities because they're looking to raise capital. Um, so it's a great time to grow. Our deal velocity has drastically decreased. You know, of I was talking about one project where we had 10 LOIs out to different lifestyle retailers, but three of them are still moving forward, which is encouraging. And a lot of it is alternative users. You know, we're, we're finalists tonight on a 40,000 square foot cancer treatment center that we're presenting on. We just signed a 25 year lease with New Hampshire state liquor. And I mean, they're out there. We got to, we've never been one to sit back and wait for the phone calls. We've got to go out and make it happen. But I think, um, you know, now is the time to really work harder. And when the sun comes up, you know, all of us want to be farther ahead and not just sit back. So uh, by no means does this define us. We still have to pay attention to it, but I also think overall, um, in terms of, you know, shopping patterns and I mean, within day two, you have all of these over caffeinated analysts on there talking about how people will never open again in another office. It's forever changed our habits. I think, I don't know if it's a year from now, three or five, everyone's going to forget about it and be packing the movie theaters. Uh, we talked to Live Nation a lot. We've canceled all our concerts for this year, unfortunately. We had Steve Miller and others, but people will be back in droves. We have, we always say 10 year cycles and five year memories in, in real estate in general. I don't think this is any different. I think a lot of it's overhyped. Um, at the same time, there is a lot of real suffering and real pain going on, especially with mom and pops and, and um, everybody out there. I'm in no way dismissing that, but I don't think this is going to have the permanent lasting impact. I think people will forget in the number of years and be back out at public places. I, I agree. I agree with what you guys were saying. I, I have been, you know, from March 18th to today, I have held three webinars on rent relief requests. And <laughs> my opinion and position on March 18th is significantly changed to today. Um, I really did not grasp what was going on on March 18th. It's, and each time I have those webinars, uh, things have changed, reality sets in. Uh, I personally, of um, uh, one of my 59 tenants I lost this week, so that was heartbreaking. I kept talk, trying to talk her off the ledge and I just couldn't. Um, but I, I've been trying to do the, I've been telling me and my team and, and my students and my clients, you know, I try to do the 50-50 plan every day. 50% on solving the issues today, dealing with the requests, dealing, coming, you know, Think, dealing with things like cutting expenses if there's no one in the shopping center we don't need seven day garbage pickup etc 
but then 50% thinking about a year from now and NOI. So uh, for the first week from about uh, probably March, maybe the first two weeks, March 18th, we shut down in Florida March 21st till about April 1st. I got caught up in the whole, you know, you can't canvas uh, or you can't prospect, it's insensitive. And then I got out of that really quick. And on April 1st, we, you know, definitely started prospecting. And we've on average had showings three times a week throughout. So, and there are tenants out there looking, you know, we have an Army Navy uh, deal that I'm working on. Um, yesterday, I was prospecting to home health cares because we've been getting calls on that. So, but so it just, what, what I find to be inspirational is how our country and this industry has changed on a dime. I think we will look back. I tell my, I have a 19 year old and a 16 year old. And I said, what we are living through is historical. And the fact that we've been able to change in a blink with in many different categories and industries. And it's just been, I think, phenomenal. And one of the changes I, I hope, you know, I'm seeing, I'm doing very, quick amendments, I'm sure you guys are too, that the legal departments of some of the nationals have, have moved a little faster. And I'm hoping that's one of the silver linings that, you know, it'd be great if we could move when we get out of this, that we stop, you know, hanging on to the three and four month lease negotiation timeline. So I'm hoping that that, that we've all figured out how to, fi how to fix that. So, okay. Beth, Beth, what's it like, um, what is it like canvassing right now and going on showings and trying to cultivate door to door? So I'm not personally canvassing door to door. I'm doing Facebook prospecting and calls. So, um, I, so we're, I started something called about four weeks ago, yeah, four Saturdays ago, the Small Business Saturday series, where we are highlighting local tenants. And it's 45 minutes of positivity. You know, how'd you get your name? Who's your customer? Things like that. The only thing we talk about COVID is. Um, you know, what's one lesson you've got out of it and what that's doing. And I do ask them and I'm, and trust me, when this is all over, I'm going to have a whole um, collage clip of, I ask every single one, do you know what canvassing is? <laughs> and they, only one person has said yes. And then I explain what it is and I say, so would you care if a leasing agent walked into your store on a non-peak time and asked you about a shopping center, you know, down the street or in another market? And every single one of them said, of course not, we would love that. So, you know, Josh and Dave, I am, that's going to be in a video coming soon at the end of this so that I can share with my leasing agents that I've got. These are multi-location mom and pops who want the leasing agents to come in and tell them about opportunities. So, so not, so I, all of our prospecting is being done through Facebook, Instagram, email, uh, and calls. And again, sensitive, like Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, all of the weight loss people are talking to us. They, they're seeing that they're going to be in need. You know, I don't know about you guys. I have not gained the COVID-19, but I'm getting close. Okay. I'm getting close. <laughs> So, so prospecting is working and I, and I, and we're going to talk more about that, but, but it's definitely out there. And, and so the showings, I never had lock boxes on my spaces. Again, I have just six small shopping centers all within 10 minutes of my house. I believe that we needed to show up in person, but uh, since this, I did, I did put lock boxes on all at all of the shopping centers. So people are either going with their brokers, they're going by themselves. I'm doing FaceTime virtual tours. Uh, we have taken some video tours that we're sending out. So there's lots of ways, but I haven't personally shown space with a prospect since this. 
yet. Okay. Um, so portfolio-wise, Josh, how is your portfolio faring in all of this? I know you shared with us 12 LOIs down to three in a lifestyle center. Are you seeing a difference between grocery anchored and lifestyle? And, you know, you've got office product too. So how's your portfolio doing? So the existing portfolio, we have about tenants. I think we collected 68.5% rent, so two-thirds of the rent for April and May is coming in right now. I think we'll do worse in May. I think that's going to go down as well as June. Um, and our team has really done a great job proactively reaching out to a lot of the tenants saying, here are all the services that are available. Here's how you apply for uh, the different grant and, and federal programs. And here's how you make it really easy to do an amendment. And I know we don't want to get too much into that because everyone's sick of doing webinars on how you structure and defer it and the abatements and everything. But um, I think that's where we are in there and, and really trying to help see people through this, mainly deferrals through next year. We have 26 lenders and uh, with our different projects uh, and uh, all but one has agreed to a 90 to 120 day uh, deferral, not abatement, obviously, but deferral of principal and interest to next year. And so we're, we're working through it on that end. Uh, we have, um, I'd say, I think it's 14% of our income is from grocery anchors. We have 26 uh, supermarkets. They've all paid rent and they've, th they've been thriving. I was on the phone this past week with a couple of friends that that are in-house at uh, grocery chains. And I said, you know, is it inappropriate to be talking about new sites? And they said, absolutely not. We just had real estate committee. We are growing voraciously, uh, right? Our appetite is voracious right now. And uh, that's great. Uh, you have other fantastic entities like New Hampshire Liquor and Wine Outlet. You know, their sales are through the roof right now and they're continuing to do business. Granted, you know, there's issues with labor and with distribution of, of the product, of course, with COVID, so they have to navigate it. But um, a lot of the growth we're still seeing are alternative users. Um, there's still some office tenants that we have proposals out to. Uh, a lot of growth in the healthcare space. Pharmacies, we haven't had much luck doing a lot of pharmacy deals anyways on a good day. Uh, so I haven't seen much of that, but definitely a lot of the supermarkets uh, we're moving forward on a number of residential deals, including our own. We just poured foundations this past week up in Portsmouth, New Hampshire on a new project. And uh, so uh, it's the apparel guys and soft goods that we've seen really slow down. Uh, that's what I was referring to on one specific project. But we're signing leases with brewers, with restaurants, uh, movie theaters. Or <laughs> Cinemark is still moving forward on a lot of things, which is very encouraging. So uh, there's a lot of good news out there too. That's great, great. Dave, uh, portfolio-wise, uh, any thoughts that you would, I know most of your product is grocery anchored. I know that in my six centers, I've, I go from the lowest of receipts of 27% to 100%, which is my, grocery, my one grocery anchored center. I have 100% rent collection there. I am going to try to share my screen Oh, I can't share what the other person's just been sharing, but I, let me just take, I'm going to give you some stats that I was going to share. Um, and Josh, I think the multidiscipline nature of his portfolio is, is uh, very interesting as, as we've seen um, the data that I have in front of me from Compass Point Research is that suburban office has collected 96% of their rent um, in April, apartments uh, 94%, uh, manufactured housing, 91%, industrial, 90%, uh, 
CBD office, um, 86%, and shopping centers, 55%. Um, the, those public REITs that have reported and reported their collection um, rates in the open air world, uh, um, our peers uh, seem to be reporting somewhere in that vicinity of 50 to 60% collection. We have, we're just about ready to report results, so I can't give um, anything on that, but it, I, would, I would suspect that um, fairly consistent with our peers, and we've been doing over the past month a tremendous outreach to the mom and pop, similar to Josh, making sure we touch everyone. We have an automated um, platform, uh, Bricksmore Cares, where we have you, a, a mom and pop can sign up for a, a deferral online, um, and uh, and and um, we are seeing traction. Sam signed a, 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 a new supermarket deal. Uh, in a market in, in Massachusetts. He has another one on the street. We see the supermarkets really at the table right now. And the big guys and the, the, re, the smaller regionals with a few stores or 12 stores, um, uh, some new players uh, um, the, down, uh, we, we, we're doing deals with Lidl. We have LOIs with Aldi. We just did a ground lease with Aldi. So um, uh, Ollie's, Big Lots, the dollar guys are all active. So, and of my portfolio, about half is essential or hybrid, um, which the hybrids are, some of their stores are open. That represents about half of our, of our income. Um, a, a third of them are essential. And as Beth said, we are typically grocery anchored, um, close to the communities, and uh, also seeing quite a bit of traction on alternate uses in our shopping centers. I mean, medical has been hot for us for quite some time. I think we'll continue to see um, uh, traction with medical. And um, we can talk about that a little bit later with some, some, some questions, what we're going to see coming out of this. But our portfolio, I think, relatively speaking, is, uh, is performing well. We have all hands on deck just trying to work things out with the retailers. Awesome. Awesome. So let's move to uh, the future, uh, I guess. What, who do we think are gonna be the winners and the losers? So we saw yesterday Gold's Gym filed. So, um, you know, Josh, who do you think? I, I was very happy to just hear you say Cinemark is still expanding because I was worried about the theaters. So talk about what you guys think are gonna be the winners and losers out of this. I think there are a lot of tenants hanging on by a thread, uh, specifically national retailers, and I don't want to call any out, but I think we all know who they are, that um, we're close to filing before this. I think that's just going to accelerate that, as we're already seeing. Um, I did, did, would not have counted Gold's Gym in that category, by the way, but mainly on the soft goods side for national retailers. Um, we're also, we've seen a lot of tenants leaving the enclosed malls. That's not surprise to anybody. I think that's only going to accelerate that. And I think we benefit open, uh, owning open air centers or developing open air centers in those markets. And we're already seeing that where, where there was already an exodus that's accelerating. Um, I, I think we're still seeing a lot of growth in healthcare. A lot of our conversations are, you know, we have a couple of presentations next week are what is the, um, you know, what does a waiting room or operating room look like post-COVID-19? How do you get uh, patients in and out? And, you know, how do you deal with a sterilization in, in the post-COVID-19 world? And being able to show that we're looking at it. 
Um, I know we're going to talk about, about that more later, but certainly grocery. Uh, I actually think restaurants, I think very, unfortunately, a lot of them are going to go out of business and um, that kills us to see that. But I think the ones that are still standing, you know, Texas Roadhouse, there's no debt on there. We were just listening to the earnings call of Cheesecake Factory this week. I think they're going to be a long-term winner. I think there's going to be less competition um, as well. And I think people are going to come back in droves again, when the time is right. So, um, and then the theater business, look, we've had to defend it to investors over the years, but they've been saying that it's the death of the movie theaters since, you know, I started in the year 2000. So last 20 years, any Netflix, everything that's come out is going to be the death of the theater, but we think that they continue to evolve and still provide a great experience. I think, uh, it's not so much, in, uh, also not just who's going to make it and who's not, but the ramp up time, you know, is going to be significant. I think Live Nation and outdoor concerts and stadiums are going to be the last ones to open up theaters, you know, as well. But how do you operate a movie theater when you have to have a 250, you know, when, when you can't have people sitting within, I forget what the uh, metric is in, in New Hampshire and Maine, but, um, or a restaurant, if they can only have six patrons, it's just not profitable. So. Um, I, I think there's going to be this transition period during that. But there was yeah. also, in mind, this was also a very prosperous 12-year run since, you know, 2007 and eight, And, and a lot of our uh, tenants and, and others out there um, were very profitable and do have some strong reserves. So that's been great to see the ones that manage that cash. And then there's others that are in really tough shape that we're trying to work through and, and structure percentage rent-only deals or deferrals with to get to the other side. Yeah, prior, you know, prior to this, right, the biggest cry in our industry and, you know, from reporters, and by the way, I am going to steal and take the over-quarantined analysts comment. Can I do that? Can I borrow that? Because I, I love that. Over-caffeinated, yeah. Oh, yeah, over-caffeinated. Over-quarantined. Over-quarantined. <laughs> Overcaffeinated, but you know, uh, people. It was the whole uh, online uh, versus bricks and mortar, and I always said, well, you know, the four F words are gonna, you know, save us, right? Food, fun, fitness, and physicians. <laughs> so I think physicians, you're right. There's that's not going away. The question will be the food, and I do agree with you. Uh, I do have my neighbor owns uh, five restaurants, and. I, when I when that stat came out from the overcaffeinated analyst that 110,000 restaurants were not going to reopen, um, he said, I said, what do you think about that? He said, actually, you know, I, I hate to see businesses, you know, not reopen, but it's better for me if there's less competition. So the overheated environment of of, of restaurants, he said, has not been great for us. So. So I thought that was an interesting perspective. The fun aspect, you know, we've had this last three years of this competitive socializing, right? For, to get the millennials out of their house, you know, the escape room, the, um, the ax throwing, the uh, barcades, all of those. And then, then from the, for the younger kids, the evolution and uh, proliferation of the, um, the um, bounce house things. That's not what I, the trampoline, thanks. My, in, my new intern who started yesterday just threw that word out for the, me, the trampoline. So the fun, the fun, I'm questioning what that happens. And then of course, boutique fitness, but uh, Dave, you had a phenomenal story about boutique fitness. Can, do you mind sharing it? it? Was it you that had that story the other day or some, or Evan, someone had this story about F45? Oh, right. The online. I mean, that, that 
I guess the guy was had just been open not even a month, but did you know really pivoted another new buzzword of, our, of what we're going through, and did um, is doing better online and reaching international clients than he thinks he would have done in his bricks and mortar. So you know, so there's hope there for boutique fitness. Dave, what do you think about winners and losers? Well, um, similar to Josh, uh, certainly grocery, as we discussed, uh, certain discounters uh, are, 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 are going to come out of this um, strong and stronger. Um, some of the ones, uh, I'll, I'll, stay with, I'll, stay, I'll stay with winners um, for a minute here. You know, I believe just generally the American consumer has like an insatiable desire to shop and acquire things. And it kind of, you see how antsy people are around the country protesting and wanting to get back out there. Those centers that we have that are open are busy. Walmart parking lots are full. Supermarket parking lots are pretty full. Um, there's going to be some pain. Uh, you know, theater, which I, I only have two theaters in my portion of the Bricksmore portfolio, uh, one AMC, one Regal. Um, they're they're going to go through a tough six to 12 months, as will a lot of our restaurants. And we're going to do what we can to try to get them through it. We're going to have to manage some arrears likely and do some workouts over time. And, but a lot of the other um, tenants who were weak going into this, who we expect that might go away, um, we had already had to, were forced to modify a lot of those leases. We were already had some of them on life support. There were percentage rent only deals. So I'm kind of looking at the portfolio that a lot of those, you know, Pier 1 we know, um, AC Moore we, we knew already. Um, you know, Kirkland's, you can just see public company with almost like a zero market cap Tuesday morning. If these come back to us, we'll lease them. They're not tremendous, not a lot of risk in the rent profile of those tenants. So like I said, a lot of them had been converted um, uh, as they came to us looking for help into below market deals. Um, and I also, you know, Josh mentioned the malls. We have seen a trend with uh, tenants coming out of the malls. This is gonna be very tough on the malls. On the, the collection rate that I saw published on the malls was close to half that of open air. Um, from wow. A lot of the mall REITs haven't reported yet, but those that had, I believe the collection rate was you know, well below 40% of their April rents. And um, that's a tougher story. Uh, but I, 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 as I said earlier on, I just feel that these events these, these, these kind of disastrous economic events for those of us that move space, we're gonna move space, hopefully at accretive rents uh, with stronger tenants. And those that do go away, what we've also seen over the years is their executives come back with new concepts. There will be new concepts that come out of this. There, um, and uh, uh, there may be some tenants that have to go away due to the leverage they had in place going into this. But, very often we do see this as a catalyst for new things coming. And I think the digitally native brands, our proximity to the communities we serve um, uh, for that last mile distribution, we're gonna see some, some, um, some opportunity to lease space to tenants that we haven't seen before in open air shopping centers. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. one last thing, you know, ordering on Instacart these days, trying to order for online pickup, get, you know, I think people are realizing how important through this it is to be able to go into a store, get the distribution you need for whatever product that is, and uh, not rely on delivery, which has become very unstable through this, very sketchy. 
um, and not, uh, not all, just from the supply chain. It's just the volume of it, right? They haven't been able to keep up with it. And I don't know that it's profitable, that model. Um, but uh, uh, that, that's kind of what we're thinking about winners and losers. And I, I really do believe, I strongly believe that there's going to be a great opportunity to come out, out of this. this there's going to be some devaluation of assets. As Josh says, we're going to be acquiring, uh, we're going to be strategic to acquire in nodes where we want to acquire, to build on the shopping centers, to buy non-owned parcels. When we're working with national tenants, there's going to be an opportunity to revisit restrictions they have on us regarding pad sites, no-build areas, exclusives, other co-tenancies. This is an opportunity to kind of open up the lease. You need some help from us. Let's see how we can unlock some value going forward. And we are unlocking what we believe to be millions of dollars of, of value in a portfolio of over 400 shopping centers nationwide as we're discussing these, discussing these matters very granular, granularly with our tenants. Absolutely. I, um, I'm working, I have a restaurant that, uh, you know, we all make mistakes, especially me. And when I did the lease, I included garbage and cam. And of course, they're uh, multi-locational tenants, so they have a cap on cam. And one of the things I'm getting back is taking the garbage out of cam, out of their fixed cam. And it's going to add a lot of money, you know, because I'm eating that as the landlord, because I'm not going to pass it on to the rest of my local tenants. So there's all kinds of things that we can do to improve our situation, which is an opportunity. Um, and there's other opportunities. I, you know, being that I, all my deals are in a small, you know, within 10 minutes of my house, uh, I have a handle on the marketplace and always have my eye on certain properties, as I know you guys do in your respective markets. And there are landlords, family-owned land, you know, property owners who now are getting these calls they're not professionals. They don't have teams like you guys have. And they're, and they're calling saying, I don't know if I wanna deal with these 29 tenants calling me for you know, rent issues. Uh, maybe it's time that I either bring you in as a partner or I sell to you. So there are going to be buying opportunities because if this doesn't end in the next month and it keeps going, which I think we all think it's going to for a little bit, um, there are going to be property owners and operators out there that are going to be looking for professionals to take uh, to, to take up the work, and I'm I'm working on one. I've want, I've had on my my eye on an asset for over eight years, and it looks like I'm going to be able to finally, you know, own it, which is which is a great opportunity. But and Dave, what you said, both of you guys said. I mean, I think in '09, Uber and Airbnb started, right? So out of craziness and hardship does come creativity. So, and I, and I, I hope we get some of these DNBs, DNBs to come into our open air centers. I, I've been wanting that for a long time. So, and they have, you know, they've raised a lot of money. It'd be great if they started expanding into our properties. Hey, but I, also, yeah. I also think there's a, a lot of opportunity on the box, larger box retail centers in need of redevelopment, which are, uh, extremely out of favor right now. So there's a big pricing dislocation on that. And we're looking at a bulk purchase of a number of those and everybody's already through them for the retailers. So you've got it where maybe you could buy, you know, pre-COVID at $50 a square foot. These, these companies that own them, what do they need to do? They need to either bring in equity and dilute their ownership or sell assets to raise capital, assuming their lender is not going to advance more funds, which most aren't today. So, 
Um, you may be able to get them at $30 a square foot, but you've got to build an interest carry to last two to three, four years because you feel comfortable that at some point in the future, TJX and PetSmart and Hobby Lobby will take it. Or I think the big opportunity is where if we can have um, alternative users lined up and ready to go, whether that's healthcare or we were on the phone with a call center yesterday, surprisingly, um, you know, uh, government leases. Car dealerships. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah to, to be able to plug those in. Um, I have a center where I, um, I have a center near a, a huge regional mall, Sawgrass Mills Mall. I cannot put any additional restaurants because I don't have enough parking. However, there's 500,000 employees daytime pop in the area. So I've reached out to, like I have a restaurant, Josh, you know, La Spada Subs, nine locations. The guy does average like, you know, 1.8 million and 1,200 square feet. Uh, thank God on March 1st, they had an app. They got an app so that they could do delivery and curbside. And um, I, I reached out to him and other multi-locational regional players saying, you've all, all of you have wanted to be in this sub-market, but there wasn't opportunity. So I'm thinking about doing a ghost kitchen type of scenario. They've all said, yeah, we wanted to be there and there hasn't been space, but they didn't, they didn't know how, and again, I do agree, Dave, that they have to figure out if that was profitable, right? Was this exercise profitable? But for, for La Spada Subs, um, again, in, in South Florida, they are doing double per day what they were doing pre-COVID. So he, they're, all, they're like, yeah, if you want to do a ghost kitchen and build this out, and again, I, I'm just really at the beginning of trying to figure this out to see if it would work, but I think opportunities are going to be um, available for, the, for those of us that are going to be creative. You know, I think another opportunity is, is um, in terms of taking this downtime to advance the ball is on the permitting and design side. Uh, you know, we've, been, we've had a, a planning board hearing this week on Tuesday night, and uh, you really have a captive audience. It, it was, you stumble a couple times getting used to how to Zoom, but whether it's that or we've done some tenant presentations, it's actually been great. You don't have to drive an hour or two to the meeting, spend an hour and a half there, it's very compact and efficient, so you can do more of them. And people are willing to sit through a you know, 45-minute presentation where you're pulling things up on Zoom, and you really have a captive audience. And a lot of the uh, deals are moving forward with Resi Groups and Healthcare and others because moving forward in record time because their design folks have nothing else to do. So they are right on the calls. They're making changes as we're in Zoom, moving, you know, buildings around and uh, utilities and everything else and turning it around even faster. So I think there's an opportunity to get more done quickly and more efficiently in this time too. And, and I agree. And I hope that this continues after COVID as well. I hope they've learned some things, the municipalities that they can adopt, right? Just same thing, like I said earlier about lease negotiations. Hopefully we've all learned we can do documents in less than 90 days. Um, yeah, I reached out to when, when, in, for those of you in New England, our governor decided to open up the state of Florida, except for South Florida, where I live. <laughs> and, um, and then when he did open it, he opened the restaurants at 25% capacity in North Florida. We're still not open yet in South Florida and no hair salons or personal services. So I reached out to my town that I have three centers in and have multiple restaurants and said, hey, I want 
I, so I got him, I got the planning and zoning guy on the phone. He's at home. And I said, I really, I, I, I said, can you, can I send you a site plan? I want to take six of my parking spaces that front Starbucks, Blaze Pizza, and a, a local ice cream guy and create parking. So when you guys do open us up and probably at 25%, they can move into these spaces. I'll cordon them off with potted plants. The three tenants, Starbucks, Blaze, and Ice Cream have different peak times. They're going to share the common area for, for outdoor seating. And at least they can, you know, boost that number up to maybe 30 or 35 percent with these extra parking spaces. I said, do I need forgiveness or permission? Like, where are we at? Because that's because <laughs> I'm going to do it. And he said, let me uh, check with someone and get back to you. And within 15 minutes, he said, I think it's a great idea. Do it. And sent it in an email. So I think, uh, I do think that cities and towns are going to have to be um, more uh, amenable to some of the creative things that we're all doing. Okay, um, so how, what do you guys think about, we talked about, I, I agree, I think there's gonna be pent up demand for consumers. Do you think there will be pent up demand to fill vacancies? I will tell you that Chipotle in our market has been touring for three weeks and they, in different cars, two different cars, uh, Jody and her boss, and they have their eye on restaurants, on existing restaurants. And, and, and I have heard from other landlords that, uh, that they're sending out LOIs saying, if this guy doesn't make it, you know, we're interested. So, um, so they're active. And, and I, are you guys familiar with the brokers who Zoom calls that have been going on around the country. Uh, Karen Maravitz with CATS, who I know is up in New England, started this in South Florida. Have you guys heard of that? No. Uh, she's having calls weekly. They're about two hours. I think there's over 100 brokers. There's about 70, 50 to 60 tenant rep brokers, and then probably 20 to 30 landlord brokers. And I was on a call last week, and I probably wrote down 30, over 30 tenants that tenant rep brokers said were still expanding. Wow, could you share that list with everyone on the call, Beth? I will, I will. I'll, the, I know, um, the link. in South Florida, but I know she's doing one. I think maybe someone can tell me, tell us in the comment sections, but she's with CATS and I think she's doing one of these calls in New England. But it's phenomenal. She gives everyone, let's say, 45 to 60 uh, seconds. We go along on the gallery view. They pop up. They say, here are the three tenants that are currently expanding. And then if, if we have room at the end of the call, then she'll let the landlords jump in and talk about vacancy. But really yeah, when you did your uh, national survey last year, the average number of deals for an individual were 17 leases. And I think that was existing space, more if you had new development. Um, releasing. What's your prediction in a uh, in the current times for a, a national average? Less. <laughs> <laughs> um, less, right? Uh, it, you know what, Josh? It's going to, to it's going to depend on how aggressive the landlords being, right? So I will tell you, in one center, I have that we did one lease in all of 2019, it's a very tough center to lease, one lease. Uh, starting in January, I was sending out Facebook posts saying no rent till 2021. This was pre-COVID. So, um, and we got, I got, I did it to get attention and I got attention and pre-COVID we had four leases that we were working on. 
and now you know none of those four leases are active but i think i think two of them will come back so i think it will truly depend on how aggressive the landlord's going to be and i think i think the landlord will be aggressive based on the market their property is in so i have a REIT that owns a million square foot center down the street of three of my deals, I think that they're going to lose uh, more square footage than they think. And I'm worried that they're going to come after my tenants. I, I don't blame them. So I'm being very aggressive in shoring up and securing any tenant leases that would be an easy reload um, if their leases expire before 2022. And I've now probably renewed four of nine of those. So I'm being, but I can be, I've got boots on the ground. I'm very, you know, engaged. And I just see some, some big changes coming with, with more vacancy than we think. So I truly believe that, you know, you could have a landlord like me that says no rent till 2021, which is, you know, it's probably crazy for you guys to hear. So my, for me or my leasing agent, we could do maybe 20 deals, right? So I think it's all the perspective of the vacancy in the market and how aggressive you can be as a landlord. I think I'd like to mention, we, we've always done what I call incubator deals, where we'll limit term, we'll do a, a drastically below market rent with a use category that we'd like to cultivate in the shopping center. In better centers, it's often boutiques, handbag stores, um, that type of thing, swimwear. And in the weaker centers, it's often something like uh, personal training, uh, entrepreneur who wants to open his own fitness center or karate guy or something like that. And we've always like kind of nursed along uh, this incubator tenancy and Sam's done them. And if we can't make sense of a long-term deal, a traditional long-term deal, we shift. How can we, how can we accommodate this tenant limiting term, giving us flexibility? Maybe it's, maybe it's something with a land, a mutual termination, right? Or a landlord termination, right? After a certain period of time, or graduated rent steps. What we're looking at right now is um, is formalizing an incubator program that we might roll out. I know Kimco's tried it in the past. We've always done it behind the scenes, but something like Beth, like you said, no rent till 21, some business coaching, some uh, a lot of what we've done with our tenants is directed that directed them to the resources available for them right now, the mom and pops. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the, absolutely. The new leasing, I love the incubator approach. It's really me too. Well yeah, and 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 me too. And like for example, I went. I did go actually when Josh said, "Have you been canvassing?" So I went to go buy some dumbbells, <laughs> and the place was in a warehouse district, right? And they were setting up appointments because people are buying equipment to outfit home gyms. So I, the I, he opens the, this like uh, garage door, and it's all this phenomenal uh, equipment. And I absolutely, I said, no rent till 2021. And, and, and I think we're gonna get him to come do a deal in like 2,500 square feet, get out of the warehouse, come in retail, and then we'll, we'll see what happens in January. Maybe I can do a long-term lease, but he's gonna bring traffic to my center, which I want. So uh, it's, I guess guys, uh, uh, should I, we didn't get to all of our questions, but I know you guys wanna try to get some questions from the audience should Michael or should I keep going or Chris do you want to jump in Evan what what do you guys want us to do I can keep asking or we can go to the audience I can't believe it's been an hour already so I'd say go for a couple more minutes and then we'll turn it over to questions okay perfect 
All right, so um, hold on here. We talked about design. Uh, what about some of the creative ideas? So you guys, I, I'm sure you guys have seen what uh, some of the other um, uh, REITs are doing with curbside pickup. They're you know painting it on in their parking lots. I think that um, Connor is going to be on with ICSE uh, this week to talk about new creative things we're doing in our shopping centers. What what are you guys doing as far as uh, property level changes, if anything? We are in the middle of designing our food hall up in the Rock Row project and uh, changed the design this past week of how it meets the exterior common areas so you can provide for Foodler and Grubhub and Uber Eats, which we were going to do anyways, but there's a much more, more of an emphasis on that. Um, I love what you did with the municipality, with the code enforcement agent for turning some of the parking spaces and again, that's temporary. I, I you know, I, I, you know, because Starbucks is like, you're going to take my parking. I'm like, it's temporary. Like, I'll, right. I'll give it back to you. <laughs> We're hosting a, uh, a outdoor drive-in uh, high school graduation in one of oh. our. We have uh, that Live Nation concert venue with an empty parking lot now. So that, that's more for goodwill and, and for the community. Uh, we propose doing drive-in movie nights. We thought it was a little. Uh, insensitive to do that last month and too soon, but we're looking at doing that now just to, they don't make money, but it's to provide a great experience for the community. We're, uh, we were talking to some of our movie theater chains about if we could get the rights to do, release a movie online. Uh, and then you, we've been doing dress up days and other ones to re really engage the community a lot anyways on a social media uh, uh, point of view and where we can't have meetups at our public spaces what can you do online to really still continue to foster that sense of community? And uh, yeah. don't make money, but we're, we're really trying to engage the community. And then that ends up leading to more market share or heart share, as we always call it, and promoting dwell time in the future. And we want dwell time, whether it's you're spending time with us on your phone or you're physically at the center. So we're just focusing. Have you guys added, I've added more benches at my properties. And remember I have little, I have, you know, you guys probably already have them, but we, we need more because if they're going to have people waiting outside to come in so many at a time, have you thought about that? It's a good idea. We have. Yeah. You know, we've, um, we've certainly uh, uh, tried to make measures to allow for the added vehicles coming in for pickup, the stacking, trying to address fire lane issues and then all the delivery vehicles that are on site right now um, and, and addressing that um, some tra trash cans in the parking lot to pit for gloves and wipes that was that was really counterintuitive to me I didn't expect people to be dropping hundreds and thousands of pairs of rubber gloves and, and Clorox wipes throughout our parking lot so I, I was really shocked by it, but that's uh, we're putting the trash cans out by, near parking stalls and signs for the gloves is taking care of most of that. Um, and I think we're going to have to accommodate these tenants with parking stalls for internet pickup and delivery going forward, which again is going to create more opportunity for us because it is a concession and it is a fight with people like Starbucks. We might need consents. I had uh, to get a Planet Fitness done in the past year. I had to give PetSmart a couple dozen parking spots and the Planet Fitness people are still parking there. Uh, these, but this is really going to free up a lot uh, as we work through these, these onerous lease restrictions that we've agreed to over the years. I feel like, again, it's gonna create a lot of opportunity to, to, to accommodate the parking and other changes, like we said, densification in the lots and such and, and so forth. 
Yeah, I um, I had a, I have an empty Michaels, which you know, every time I have an opportunity to speak, I'd like to throw that out there. So if anybody up in New England has a tenant, bring them to me. But I, the city would not allow me to put a banner on the facade. I even offered to you know pay for a 30-day permit. Well, you know, on March 22nd, that banner went up 60 feet. <laughs> I haven't gotten a code enforcement fine yet, but, um, and, and we've been doing work. So I've been doing capital. I was in for a permit uh, to do speed bumps at a center for two months. Those speed bumps are now in. Um, so, you know, the, the, the workers want work, right? And I think construction costs, you know, with labor will go down. I'm not sure about materials, but I do think that construction, this, this could also be the silver lining with construction. What do you guys think? I think you're right. We were on a two hour call this morning about exactly that. We think, we think it'll come down as well as you bring up a great point about labor. Evan brought this up the other day that that's been one of the biggest obstacles for us on opening new restaurants prior to COVID shortage of labor. I, mean, I think there's going to be a lot more available. We think construction pricing is certainly going to come down. We're already starting to see that a little bit on the soft cost side for design. Um, I think we'll see that on the construction cost too. But we're actually we're continuing to move forward on uh, new construction and trying to buck the trend on that. We're opening a market next month up at, sorry, I keep talking about Rock Row, but opening Rock Row is we're building a few strips, uh, centers, um, out parcel buildings as well, because everybody else has pulled the plug on. I think we'll be the only new product available uh, for 2021 and 2022. We want to be in a position to capitalize on that and have the new space next to a dominant grocery anchor uh, on a couple different markets um, so that we have that available and not start. I, 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 yeah, I, I think that that's the opportunity for the leasing agents on the phone, too, because I, do, I agree with you. In our market, uh, I would say 90% of all the new, de new developments have pulled the plug. And I'm calling those tenants because those tenants need space. They've signed leases. They're not going to get delivery. And I've got space. So, so even though I do think that because of travel, you know, our lead time and our pipeline on national deal expansions are, are going to, you know, ooze into 22, right? We're, we're going to have a, a, that's why it's so important, you know, that I love, I know both of your teams very well. And uh, I know they focus on canvassing and prospecting mom and pops and multi-locational tenants because for 2021, the majority of those 17, 12 or 20 deals, Josh, are going to be local tenants because the nationals, who I think that there's going to be a switch. It's going to be very interesting. Are they going to hire more tenant rep brokers? Are they going to move regional managers into markets? Because I don't see a bunch of public company real estate managers getting on flights to go look at sites. You know, I don't know when. So we all need to be focused on multi-locational mom and pops to get them, whether they're pop-ups, incubators, or, you know, I think everyone would want my sub guy at, in 1,200 square feet doing 1.8 million on a long temp a long term deal. So, um, but yeah, the the opportunity, unfortunately for those developers, I feel bad. But I've called all of them in my market, and you know, are you going forward? No. Okay, okay you know, I'm going to call your tenants. So call call those tenants on those deals that are not going forward. Opportunities. And then there's, like, there's a, a cost going forward too. Are you putting the HVAC units in the rising walls in the right places? You're 
building those a little more in spec, which we'll, we'll always do for a smaller strip, not larger box space, because that's much more tenant specific, but um, it, it may be a little bit of a cost premium because you're going to be moving things later after the fact. But the trade-off is you have the, the product available and we think there'll actually be uh, a larger amount of demand for that brand new space come 2021 and 22. And then the, la the last thing before we switch over to questions is, you know, in 09, we lost a generation of people in our industry. And five weeks ago, I started something called the Freshman Forum, which every Friday, I, we start the first call, we had 250 kids, five years or less. And uh, we've matched 89 of them with mentors. So um, if, you, if anyone on this call is less than five years, join the freshman forum. You can register at Azor Academy, but we do not want to lose a generation. This is a phenomenal time to start in the industry. You know, Dave's, Dave, I, I laughed. I started in the SNL crisis. So you and I are, might be the only ones on the call that know what that was, but, um, and, and I've lived through all of those. If you're a hard worker, you, you, know, you may not be able to control a lot of things during COVID. You control your work ethic that will help you rise to the top and be successful. But now is the time, I've, I'm telling all my clients, including Waterstone and Bricksmore to hire more leasing agents if they can. We're gonna have more vacancy, lots of opportunity. If you are a leasing person, stick it out. Just work harder, prospect now. So do not leave the industry because this will be just, it'll change your life if you work We hard. want to come out of this fully staffed, ready to roll. We, there's been no layoffs in this company where we have our team in place, our development team, our redev people. You know, everybody's here ready to hit it hard. This is going to be tremendous opportunity as, as there's some fallout in my portfolio, which is a lot of older centers. It's opportunity because I have a lot of old below market rents. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I'm, just, I'm looking to get after it. And by the way, we just came through an inventory cycle in New York Metro that was pretty significant with, 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 uh, with all the A&Ps, on top of the Toys R Us, on top of Kmart. And will we see something similar? Yes. I see one of the questions up on the board, uh, what's my take on market rent? Will it depress rents in some markets? Yeah, but transactions will happen and uh, we're going to figure it out. I guess we should move on to some of these questions. Okay. Yeah, so um, what we'll do is I will queue up the folks asking the question and they can ask it live. So Jonathan Holbeck, we'll start with you. Unless he's not here anymore. Can you guys hear me? Yes. yes. Awesome. Hey Beth, um, my, my name is Jonathan Holbeck. I work for Franklin Street out of Tampa, Florida. Um, and I'm, I'm actually on the freshman forum with Beth every Friday as well. But uh, I had two, two questions. One was, um, do you believe that this will affect retailers' credit rating moving forward? And then my second question is, how are you going to change the way you analyze tenants that want to expand into your center after the whole COVID thing settles down? Great question. I, I think we'll be more rigorous. We got a little bit lax in recent years on the underwriting and more so the stress testing. Uh, you know, looking at what their debt is, assuming they cannot get any more capital or, or debt from that market, what is their burn rate on different assumptions and how many months can they survive? Because at the end of the day, what we're really trying to decide is 
will this company survive? Well, it's a binary question. Are they going to be there at the end of the day? And we're going to spend a lot more time looking at their balance sheet, their cash on hand, their sources of capital, what their debt looks like. Uh, just like if you were analyzing a, a public company, um, a lot closer. Yeah. What I, what I saw in 08 um, and after 08 was capital was constrained for both the retailers and the landlords and deal structure reflected that very often there was, there may have been extended periods of free rent or reduced rent and less tenant allowance or tenant improvement dollars on a deal, depending on the tenant's credit rating. And maybe after that portion burned off, it would reset at a market rent. So I think you're going to see a lot of creative deal structure and trying to work through and partner with these retailers. But it's very important, as Josh said, that we believe that they have legs to survive and that we're going to partner with those that we believe are going to make it through this. Um, and uh, that's our focus. You know, a lot of tenants sell us on their credit, right, coming into the coming into these times and therefore you should take a much lower lease rate because we've never missed a rent payment. We're always there. You can take that to the bank and um, you know, there's something to be said for that, for the ones that have. Well, and, and I don't know if you guys know this, uh, but in South Florida, there's a case, there's lawyers have been hired by a landlord to sue Ross dress for less. And it was in the it was in the um, daily business review this morning for three locations. So watch out, watch out for results of that. But the other silver lining in all of this for all of the leasing personnel on the phone, in, and everyone's going to learn. I, I'm on earnings calls only usually for my clients, right? Bricksmore, Kimco, etc. I am now on earnings calls every day listening to retailers. And all of the brokers on the phone should be on earnings calls. This is an unbelievable education right now that, again, will make you rock stars. So like Jonathan, who is a rock star. So uh, get on those earnings calls. You'll learn a lot. Great. All right, we'll go on to our next question. Uh, Andrew Fish. Not here in Andrew. Hi, good morning. Hi. Good afternoon. What, what day is it? Um, I, I actually think my question in the, in the course of the presentation was answered really, you know, just getting a sense of how we're kind of um, trading other, you know, in consideration whether it's a deferral or an abatement, uh, trading, um, you know, things that are already in the lease like restrictions, um, restructuring cam, things like that. I was just curious, you know, what percent, how, how many abatement deals are you actually doing versus deferral deals? Um, I can tell you for one, we, we're doing very few abatements um, unless it accompanies a significant um, extension of their, of their term. And we, and you know, we think they'll be healthy for the long term. Yeah, we've done very few abatements. It's been deferrals. And, um, you know, it's funny, like TJX, which a lot of us have in their portfolio, uh, great company. We love those guys. Asked for uh, a deferral for, I think it was 50% for a couple months. And um, so, of course, we come through the leases to see what do you want to ask for, for waivers or restrictions. But at the end of the day, and, and I get where they're coming from. They said, look, we've got, you know, 1,200 of these we're in the middle of. We need a standard policy. Um, 
work with us on this and then come back in the future if you need a waiver and we'll work with you. And that's a company, they've always been very good to deal with. They have a lot of restrictions in their leases, but you know, unlike Ross, Beth, <laughs> you can go back to TJX. They're very reasonable on stuff like that too, where, where it makes sense. So um, we're taking a lot of these guys at the word and they've always demonstrated that they would do that too. So we're not trying to overkill it on what we're asking for because you got to realize a lot of these guys just aren't in a position to do that. They need to get these done with hundreds of landlords nationwide. You know, just one more comment on Ross. You know, there's no more restrictive lease than a Ross lease. Uh, it's, it's filled with traps for landlords. So uh, interesting opportunity. And that'll be one of the, one of the standoffs, I think, between landlords and a, and a retailer with a, a lease that's kind of designed for landlord failure with co-tenancies and, and no builds and a, a lot of traps in it. So that'll be an interesting one to see how that plays out. But it's a big public company. It was very restrict, respected by Wall Street and we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, but on abatement versus deferral, our program is a deferral program. Um, exclusively, although if your lease is rolling and you're out of term, it's a different analysis. If, you, if your lease was coming up this year and we're facing a renewal, I, 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 I've got, you know, th there you might see some, some, some renewal structured with some abatement um, in there in order to get someone to sign on and stay at this time. And it is really important to attack those tenants who are expiring in the next 12 to 18 months and get term out of them now. At least that's our, our, our approach. So if it, if it means abating a month's rent or something um, and they behave going forward during the renewal term, I think that that's probably uh, something we're doing on um, not, not that wide scale, but a handful of those here and there. I, I, and I, I agree, you know, I, I would just say back to the credit question, at, at some point, at some point, Moody's, et cetera, you know, there's going to be a look back on this. And, you know, we all, we all have done things we would never do because of the guaranteed rent payment. This will change our industry going forward. This will. So. Thanks, Andrew. With that, uh, I'm gonna turn it over to Chris McMahon. And he's still muted. Great. So uh, I guess that's it for, for question and answer. Um, thank you for um, a few people in the group who have, uh, who have asked these questions. Um, thank you very much to our panelists uh, who joined us today, Beth Azor, uh, doing a great job of moderating this discussion, uh, Josh Levy uh, for your participation, and David Bender for your participation. Um, I'm going to look back at this session as a uh, healthy dose of optimism and, uh, and really great strategies for moving forward as we all, um, we all uh, look forward here for the rest of 2020. Um, so this is New England Retail Dealmakers Rise and Grind. Uh, we're, we're thrilled everybody joined us. We're looking forward to having more of these and keeping the discussion going. So uh, we've got another uh, webinar that we'll be hosting on May 19th at 10.30 a.m. Um, I'm sorry, this does not uh, uh, replace our Las Vegas party that we would have been having right around that same time, which, uh, which tends to be a little bit more uh, fun and interactive, but, uh, but we'll, we'll make it up to you later on that. And uh, again, really appreciate everybody being here. 
Uh, and as Michael mentioned, uh, stay tuned for this virtual recon cocktail event. We'll uh, we'll see you all soon. Bye bye. Hey guys. Bye -bye. See you guys. Bye. -bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye.